Good morning. Joining me now from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, our good friend, Mr. Albet. Morning, Al. How are things over there? Boy, um, it's good. I have uh, no complaints whatsoever. I just, uh, I should thank everybody because I know there's a couple of them said they were going to listen from the Columbia, Missouri. Do you say Missouri or Missouri? I say Missouri, I think. I say Missouri, but I'm from Wisconsin, so maybe that's my yeah. reason. And I know when I just said Columbia, I said Missouri, but I think generally <laughs> I say Missouri. Anyway, the Columbia, Missouri, or Missouri Audubon Society I was out there to speak to that wonderful group and got to oh, do some birding trips and things like that and just had a really nice time out there. And um, they're a little dry out there, but I uh, was able to bring a little uh, rainfall on Saturday morning. I'm taking complete credit for it because they, they weren't getting any before that. Did you see any outstanding birds that maybe we don't have here when you were out there? Uh, I don't believe I Well, yeah, um, northern mockingbirds, ah. uh, which we get here, but uh, certainly are not the bird that everybody expects to see every week or every month so i saw quite a few of those uh otherwise there's pretty much i love seeing red-shouldered hawks and i got to see some of those carolina wren is another bird that we get here some but not all the time and they were everywhere and they were singing and they're they're small like all wrens but oh are they vocal they're just going all the time so even at this time of year, they're just singing, uh, singing up a storm, so to speak. Did see some warblers passing through uh, some waterfowl, not a whole lot of waterfowl, but turkey vultures uh, filled the air. So uh, had a great time. They have some bald eagles there, not like we have here, but uh, what they had was some really nice people. And I got to eat at the Waffle House. Uh, <laughs> And I had a waffle because that's pretty much all I ever have at the Waffle House. And I, there's all kinds of jokes about it. But the first time I tried to get in there, there was a line out the door waiting. And the next time I went in with a friend, and her first name is Edge, which is, uh, hmm. she's the only Edge I know. But we're waiting there. There's four of us. And there's a couple of uh, young ladies um, there that are all done eating, and then they're both uh, looking at their cell phones. And <laughs> we waited quite a while, and finally Edge went up and said, uh, you know, are you done? And, and they, they were very nice. I'm sure they just, you know, we all space out sometimes, and they just forgot. And You should be able to sit there, I guess, for a while after eating. But Edge said she re she's reached that age where she just, says what's on her mind pretty much. And what age is that? I wondered because, I mean, I think I'm at that age as well, and I don't know when that suddenly happened. But it did. I have no clue. I, I've not reached it yet because I, I would have stood there all day, <laughs> you know, just waiting for them. But thankfully I have people like Edge who are uh, we're good cop, bad cop, and, and Edge can go tell them that, and I can say, oh, she didn't really mean that. She's just having a bad day or something like that. You'd be saying that about me probably a lot then, Al. <laughs> <laughs> But oh, I you know, again, everybody uh, Waffle House. It got kind of famous because of FEMA saying if the Waffle House is open, everything's okay because they never close. And then there was uh, Reverend Billy C. Wirtz had a song called "The Great Waffle House Fire," which I, I just get the biggest kick out of. But 
I like their waffles. I just, man, I sit down there and they bring me the waffle with maple syrup, and I don't need anything else with it, a glass of water, and I'm a, a happy camper. And, you know, if I ate two waffles, I wouldn't have to eat for probably three days. They, they fill me up. You know, sure waffles are one of my favorite things, too, but since I had to become gluten-free, you don't find oh, gluten-free waffles yeah. at the regular places, so we can make them at home, but I really miss that. And my mom, whenever she went to Perkins... Always would order a waffle with strawberry topping with whipped cream. Always. Ooh. I mean, especially in her 80s, she just kept ordering it. And one day she said, I'm sick of waffles with strawberries on top. <laughs> and so then she just quit. I don't know what it was about that. It's kind of like oh. getting to that age where you just suddenly decide, I'm not going to do That's that anymore. It. And she did. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I've eaten enough waffles in my life, and I'm just going to stop now. So. Yeah, she did. Well, I hope, oh, I hope I never get to that. I don't know where the nearest Waffle House is to us. I've eaten at them in Missouri and I think Kansas and Louisiana and all over, but uh, I I, I don't believe there's any in uh, Minnesota. I will have to check on that. There's probably some in Iowa somewhere. Uh, Lowell Schlatzauer, who lives in rural Austin, said he heard a barred owl uh, calling in his yard. Cindy Drill of North Mankato said on September 30th she saw the first of the season white-throated sparrow in the yard. And, uh, yeah, boy, I have a yard here full of those guys. And they're uh, they're whistling a little bit, but what pretty birds. They're mostly just making kind of a chip noise. Uh, good buddy Jim Tim Scott said... Uh, sent me a, a wonderful article here and uh, a synopsis. Humans are suspected to have killed off the largest birds that ever lived. Hmm. Regardless of whether that's true, however, new evidence shows that they coexisted for thousands of years. Ancient bones of extinct elephant birds found in a marsh site in Madagascar bear traces of cut marks, chop marks, and fractures that probably arose from butchering and hunting according to a new article in the journal Science Advances. Elephant birds probably stood nearly 10 feet tall and weighed over 1,000 pounds. Ooh. How, how much a, do ostriches weigh? Because that's the biggest bird I can think of that's boy, a good, that I, lives now. Yeah, I a few hundred pounds, I would guess. But I not 1,000. Not a thousand, no, man, a thousand. That would be a big bird. And I imagine if you were uh, a folks around that time, if you happened upon one of those elephant birds, that was eating for um, for an awful large group of folks. You could invite all the in-laws over and have the neighboring cave over, and, <laughs> and so that would be a, that would be a big deal getting an elephant bird. Uh, Gunner bird. Gunner and I have been friends for a long time, and he's one of those guys that uh, deserts us for Texas here before too long. He he wants to get down there before the first snow. He had to beat the snow. And he, uh, again, is from Albert Lee, and he sent me a list of birds photographed in his garden in one week this fall by Gunner, Paul Prappas, Carly Coulter and Lorna Berg, his wife, and one of them was a Townsend's warbler, and it was uh, Paul, who was a friend of his, was staying there, 
is from Nelson, British Columbia. So that's a local bird for them in British Columbia. And Gunner said, was it driven east by the smoke? Who knows? It appears to be only the fourth recorded sighting in the state than the first photographed. I thought it was a poor photo, Gunner says, but it was good enough for eBird to recognize. But of those birds that he saw in just one week, it's a list. And I'm sorry, it's uh, sometimes it's got to be a list. But it's... Um, American Red Start, Bay-Breasted Warbler, Black and White Warbler, Black Burnian Warbler, Black Pole Warbler, Black-Throated Green Warbler, Canada Warbler, Cape May Warbler, Chestnut-Sided, Golden-Winged, Magnolia, Nashville Warblers, Northern Perula, Ovenbird, Palm Pine, Tennessee, Townsend's, Wilson's, Yellow, and yellow-rumped warbler. And he also had a Lawrence's warbler, which is a hybrid. How many warblers and, are there, Al? I didn't realize there was that many. Yeah, there's a, a lot more than that. Oh, so, but, wow. But this is all just in his yard, Karen, and it's Ooh. he has a, uh, oh, I always call it the waterworks there. He has a, a number of water things that uh, are attractant to these guys as they're passing through and also attractive to the ones that are staying here. So he he said it was the, the Lawrence's warbler is a, um, uh, it involves a golden wing and a blue wing somewhere along the line there. So in but, inbreeding, or not inbreeding, but uh, crossbreeding, I mean? Yep. Okay. Yep. And uh, Gunner said he has seen 28 warblers, different species in that yard, and five vireos in that yard so what a cool thing and he uh takes some marvelous photos and every so often he sends me a couple of them and i'm most appreciative i just the the sometimes it's even better i know it's going to sound goofy but sometimes seeing something that somebody else has seen and is so excited about it is better than you than me seeing it myself if that makes any sense at all i just I, I love the adrenaline that some folks get just excited about seeing something. I was pretty excited the other day about seeing something. I had a two deer run right in front of my car, so I came to a close stop, and then another one ran in front, and it wasn't a large uh, ungulate, so it's probably a half buck is what I was thinking this little guy was. Well, they say and, from October to de- December is the largest or the biggest time you're going to most likely hit a deer, so it is that season. It is a sad time for insurance companies, but for some um, a couple of friends of mine that run body shops, they're they're yeah. all right with it. Uh, they say, yeah, you know, it pays some of the bills getting that uh, that deer business every year. I, oh, I watched a raccoon climb up a tree the other day, and I, I wanted to wait around for him to come back down, but I, I had dirt to scratch and eggs to lay. Uh, raccoons can climb down headfirst, because they can rotate their back feet. They can just move those feet so much. Um, The other day, in an attempt to keep from worrying that I was spending too much time offline, I attempted to see a cloud that looked like the city of St. Cloud. Uh, Try that. It's just about impossible, but I came close. And while I was out there doing that, I heard the 
sound of the chainsaw, and it's being heard throughout the land in this area. The storms mm. have added clearing down trees to the bloated to-do list of many people. I walked face first into a spider web. I wiped it off and apologized to the spider, because if you wish to thrive, leave spiders alive. That's uh, words to live by. Uh, Blue jays were bothering a great horned owl in our yard. Owl's just trying to get some sleep. He works the night shift. The owl's ear tufts, they're made of feathers, and they are called plumicorns, like Hmm. plum with an eye in the middle and then corns. So that's the closest thing that I I can think of rhyming with the unicorn. So if you're doing some poetry, plumicorn, unicorn, I've never realized there was a rhyming word like that. Very that cool. would make somebody write a poem yes. on that. That would be great, involving both of those. A uh, flock of starlings traveled the edge of the woods, and the name starling comes from the Anglo-Saxon and means little star. It's most likely from the star-shaped silhouette in the flight, although some people think it's because of uh, the plumage. It looks like little stars. Uh, Northern flickers uh, filled the yard, and they're still here, so we got quite a few of them. They're just stopping on their journey south. Uh, Turkey vultures are still, uh, see quite a few of them here. The Cherokee called them peace eagles because they never killed anything. Uh, Look for dark-eyed juncos to return. They're called snowbirds because they look like a winter day. If we were describing a winter day in Minnesota, we'd say, well, Gray skies above and snowy white below. And that's what uh, dark-eyed juncos are, gray above and white below. Where are they coming from, Al? Some of them are in northern Minnesota and then north of there. Oh, so they're south then? We're there, Arizona. Ah. They come here and they say, man, this is where (laughs) I'm going to winter. And some do go considerably farther south. I would guess a lot of it is males uh, would tend to spend more time in bad weather than the females because the males want to get back to their breeding territories and claim a territory. So it's more important for them to stay closer and be able to get there in a hurry than it is for the females because when the females show up, Oh, there'll be males waiting for them. They don't have to worry about that. And when these guys fly, they have these white outer tail feathers, and they flash two parallel white stripes. So to me, it looks like an upside-down V when they fly away. And in the fall, when my father spotted the first junco on our farm, he told us that it would be six weeks until the first trackable snow. He'd mark the date on the calendar. If the snow fell near the predicted date, Dad marveled Mm -hmm. aloud at what an amazing weather prophet a snowbird was. And if the date wasn't closed, the failed feathered seer wasn't mentioned again. Uh, Sometimes the juncos were right. Uh, Snowbird is also a northerner who moves to a warmer southern state in the in the winter. And when I worked in Gulf Shores of Alabama, which is a beautiful place not too long ago, um, I'd hear local singers crew, and if it's snowbird season, why aren't we allowed to shoot them? So <laughs> they, they, they said, um, I said, what do you sing that song for? And he said, Minnesotans drive too slow. Oh, I said, oh no, you're you're not right on that. We don't. Oh, you get down here and you're just gawking. I said, well, yeah, maybe maybe when we're in a in a different land. But I said, boy, here that's not a 
gravel roads sometimes. You know, you'll run into folks that are, because uh, we're out there looking at corn and things. So you have to take that into account. You see one little pickup on a gravel road, and if we're looking at corn, it's like trying to get around a Winnebago. <laughs> we just, uh, we're going to, you can't get too close to the edge because bad things could happen. Uh, there are many fallen acorns this year, uh, acorns from the white oak family. They begin germinating this fall, or the acorns of the red oak family, they will germinate next spring. I still uh, saw seeing some busy honeybees being busy in my yard. And according to something I got from the golden blossom honey, and I'm not sure if that's, I imagine it's golden blossom honey company, uh, in order to produce one pound of honey, two million flowers must be visited. A hive of bees must fly 55,000 miles to produce a pound of honey. Hmm. One bee colony can produce 60 to 100 pounds of honey per year, and an average worker bee makes one twelfth teaspoon of honey in her lifetime. And if those numbers are way out of whack... I know there's a number of beekeepers to listen, and please let me know. But this is from the Golden Blossom Honey. That seems, a, you know, one-twelfth of a teaspoon is, is not very much. <laughs> and that's your life work. All yes. that work. Well, here it is. Uh, the 2018 Waterfowl Population Status Report, which, as it sounds, means, yeah, they come out with this every year. And what does it do? It shows North America's spring duck population, and they compare it to last year. Well, it had declined 13%, so it's down 13% from last year. The biggest drops, northern pintail and scop. Scop is bluebill to a lot of people. Northern shovelers, green-winged teal, gadwall, and redhead all had great increases in numbers. And our, the mallards, the ones that most people are most familiar with, uh, they were up 17% over last year. Are we more so, familiar with those because there are more of them here or just because we recognize them more? We see them everywhere. They're in everybody's pond. They're mm -hmm. nesting in somebody's yard. They're in the city parks. And they just are uh, a little more affiliated with us. Somewhere along the line, they signed uh, an agreement that they would hang around people. And there are a lot of mallards, and uh, hunters uh, like mallards, a lot of mallard hunters out there. So they're just a, um, a duck that is in our company a lot. And they are where we look, where we're looking generally anyway. We see mallards there. And where we are here, they nest here. They're a, a big nester, so we see them uh, well, actually, we see them all winter, too, so we see them all year long, especially if there's uh, lakes where there's aeration or there's open water somewhere. We'll see mallards all year, so they become very familiar to us, and they are exquisitely beautiful, and I know we get, uh, they're just so commonplace after a while. We say, ah, there's another mallard, yeah, and but, boy, just take a good look at him. That male, oh, my gosh, that green head, is, is, he is so beautiful. So I'm glad they're around here with us, and uh, I'm always happy when they can hang here in the winter because I, I don't want to be the only one. You know, I want somebody else around here to hang in there in the winter because, boy, sometimes uh, it seems you go to some club meetings and everything where the people tend to be a little older, 
you go into the club meeting and everybody's gone. They're all in Texas or California or Florida or something. Then when spring comes, all of a sudden those club meetings are just packed with folks because they got stories to tell of their winter away and show off their tan to all us um, <laughs> bright white people. So it, it's a, a it's fun that they get to go somewhere. And, and Chris, a lot of them uh, bought a nice camper or something, motorhome, so they got to make use of it. But it, I guess it's good. You know, uh, I asked a friend why she does that, and she said, because I like not having to walk like a Minnesotan in winter. Or a duck. They always say, yeah, you know, or walk yep. like a penguin is what they say so you don't fall on the ice. And that's, we yeah. have posters around campus that say, walk like a penguin. Yeah, and she says, you know, I'm just happy not to have to do that. I can. She's down in uh, the Rio Grande Valley, and she says, I really like it there. She said, I sure miss Minnesota, but it's just nice. And she said, the, the most I put on, you know, is a, a light jacket, kind mm-hmm. of. So she said, it just doesn't get cold enough. And I told her, man, I couldn't live like that. I don't know how anybody could put up with something like that. Nice weather all the time. That would be dreadful. You gotta, you gotta have bad weather. That's Minnesota has a lot of great writers and thinkers, and that's because we have crummy weather sometimes. Just think if we all lived in a, the southern place where you didn't have to have all the jackets and coats and scarves and boots and hats, and just think how much more space we would have in our homes. So if you go down south, I imagine they probably got lots of space because they don't have to store all these extra gear for everything all the time. Um, I'll bet that's true. But they're off doing stuff instead of thinking thoughtfully true. about stuff and, and writing it down. And, you know, it's just... That's what uh, we uh, we're forced to do stuff like that to think seriously about stuff, and that's not a bad thing. Down there, they're just off uh, trying out new restaurants and things like that, or dancing, uh, line dancing classes, or something like that. So, it's um, somebody asked, "What is a flock of pelicans called?" And I think I, I might have talked about this once before, but there's a a lot of names. I don't know how many of these are serious names or something somebody just came up with. Uh, squadron, hmm. which makes sense because they kind of fly in a squadron. A pod, which, yeah, that sounds good, a pod of pelicans. A scoop, yeah, that's good with, a, you know, somebody might have just thought that one up. Poach, I'm pretty sure somebody <laughs> just thought that one up. And brief. Oh, I'm almost hmm. positive somebody just thought that one up, the pelican brief. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I guess you can call them a flock or a bunch of pelicans. It doesn't matter what you're calling them because they're not going to come anyway. But uh, I would, I think pod, I like that, or squadron. Those sound like two good ones. So there is no official name then? You can just pick one of those at random? I guess you can use any of those you want. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just thinking brief. Boy, that's... I don't know. Maybe that's where Pelican Brief came from. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think I saw the movie a long time ago, and I don't remember Pelicans in there. Maybe they were. I hope that everyone will find the time to find the cafe today. It's um, it's a wonderful place to be, and it's a place where the food chain is missing a few links, but you know, it's just missing the weaker ones. The strong links are still there. The special is always a Heimlich maneuver, and the gravy is considered a beverage. 
and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any. Uh, work took me to Austin, Texas here recently. Uh, Keep Austin Weird is a slogan adopted by the Austin Independent Business Alliance to promote small businesses in Austin. You'd think just by being the state capital, that would cover all the weirdness you need, but they're trying to keep it even weirder. Austin has um, oh, nine months of summer and three months of fall, the way I figure it. It's advertised as a live music capital of the world, and it might be. All I know is that I heard Jerry Jeff Walker tune playing everywhere I went. I went to the Salt Lick in Driftwood, just outside Austin. It's where they barbecue everything, including the napkins in the menu. Uh, good food was piled high. I wondered if I'd ever need to eat again. I visited the South Congress Bridge that crosses Ladybird Lake. It's quite a sight seeing uh, one and a half million bats emerge from the narrow crevices in the underside of the bridge. They start to come forth about 20 minutes before sundown. Every insect I encountered in Austin, Texas was nervous. I liked Austin, Texas very much, but it's no Austin, Minnesota. Remember, folks, Heartland is while we're driving past. Uh, thanks for having nothing better to do than listen to me. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Karen, I enjoyed your company immensely, as I always do. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to KMSU. Hey, thanks. Uh, we will be back again with you next week. Until then, happy bird watching. Thanks, Karen. All right. Bye-bye.